Okay, breaking news. Well, it wasn't really news. This one flew under the radar, and I don't know how that happened. I was looking at the news a couple of days ago, uh, and the Premier, Dominic Perrottet, was on, and he didn't have his glasses on. And I then noticed the next day in the newspaper, again, a photo of him without his glasses on. And I thought to myself, well, hang on a second. Is he wearing contact lenses? Because he has distinctive sort of glasses, uh, the clear um, framed ones. And lo and behold, I thought I'd try and, you know, investigate this further as I could in a Bob Woodward fashion. And uh, the story made its way all the way down as far as Wollongong when Paul rang through. So the article on Monday was the release of the curriculum update about reading and everything else for the school kids. And they announced that the Premier wasn't able to read that because he'd broken his glasses earlier in the day. When he was interviewed about it, he admitted that he reversed over him in his driveway. I don't believe that. <laughs> He's covering for someone. Down the footage. So I figured that if there's only one way we're going to get to the bottom of this and that is to speak to the premier dominic perrottet himself and find out whether or not this in fact is Speckgate. good morning premier how are you well how are you, how are you going good to talk to you so where are the glasses and surely you'd have more than one pair well you never have more than one pair when you've got seven kids because they break them all the time um and you know, I mean, this has been pretty uh, a big a big drama. I think a big. So there's been more interest in in my glasses uh, than Harry and Meghan's Netflix Netflix. Uh Oh, yeah, but, uh, yeah, of course. Well, absolutely. <laughs> uh, can I say, though, um, just to reverse back, and I mean, I don't mean to catch you out here, but I, I, I think I heard you say you blamed the kids when, in fact, the official story was you run over them. So what is, well, in fact, the story, Premier? This one, this one was my fault. I was on, it was Sunday, yep. and I was getting the kids in the car to take them out to uh, get our Christmas tree. And um, I had my prescription sunglasses on, um, and I was ha- I had my other glasses just uh, in my shirt, and I didn't notice anything. Drove out there, came back, and realised my, my my glasses weren't with me. And I looked on the ground, and they were completely smashed. So they'd obviously fallen off under the tyre, and I'd reversed straight over them. Well, I, I like that. Uh, however, can I bring you this scenario and work with me? Mm. You're opening a new school at Westmead the following day where you're introducing a curriculum for reading. I just find the whole thing a little <laughs> bit suspicious, Premier. No, it was, well, I had my... I did, you asked our contact. I did have my contacts in, but I, okay. I find contacts quite irritating. So yeah. the sooner I can get my glasses back... Um, better, but uh, you know, bizarrely, what was leading the news last night was not the important changes to the curriculum. It was uh, what happened to my it's glasses. His glasses. Well, I'm glad we got to the bottom of that. And one of the things that you were doing, in fact, was make Sydney great again, Magza, as I like to call it. Although that obviously wasn't the name of it. But you know, the idea is to uh, you know bring all of the great things back to Sydney. And I mentioned this a moment ago that the Key Quarter Tower was named the World Building of the Year in 2022. Yeah. And rather than demolishing the building, they've just built onto it which was brilliant and sustainable too. Oh, it's a beautiful building and um, I've always wanted to ensure that uh, we have the, the most beautiful city in the world and that means we've got to have the best architecture. So I guess getting rid of those old brutalist buildings from the 1970s yeah. when uh, they didn't actually have that vision, they focused on utility rather than beauty. It's great to see Sydney coming back to life and I've also been out at the new art gallery which is another... I heard about this. I didn't even know about this. And is this the one that's been built underground? Is that right? There's oil tankers underground. Right. That you go deep, you go down into. And it's it's absolutely amazing. So I'd encourage all your listeners to go out to the new art gallery. Mm. It's a a wonderful building. uh, Japanese architects. uh, And... um, 
You know, I think we're the greatest city in the world. We've got to have the best and, and greatest cultural facilities um, as well. So that new art gallery is amazing. The building is beautiful. Mm. Um, and when you go underground to those oil tankers, which they only discovered, they only discovered um, when they were building it. When, right. when they were, when, so and, right. and they've now incorporated that as part of the art gallery. Yeah, it's funny. I've had a, a sort of a love-hate relationship with Sydney with a lot of people who go overseas because they think, well, that's it. You know, there's more to the world than this. And having lived overseas and, you know, especially places like, you know, the UK where they've got some terrible buildings. And now I've come back. I'm at that stage of my life, which kind of sounds, I guess, jingoistic, but it's not, where I was driving over the Anzac Bridge the other day and I looked out over the city and I thought, you know, how incredibly lucky we are to live in such a beautiful city. And sometimes I guess you have to go away to appreciate what you missed but we really truly do have one of the most incredible and beautiful cities in the entire world and there's no denying that and we've got to make it better mm. um but we've got to, we've got to continue to strive to make sure that our city continues to grow and prosper and flourish and mm. when you think about our harbor the most beautiful harbor anywhere in the world for for decades the western harbor just sat there dormant. We didn't do anything with it mm. because we had the we, we had the eastern side, which was obviously beautiful with the with the bridge and the and the opera house. There would be cities around the world that would die to have what we have, and we now we now have Barangaroo set up, yeah. um, which is which is fantastic, um, and we've just got to keep doing more. We've Agreed. got to keep making sure our city grows, and, and that means that when we invest in Sydney, it's they're not vanity projects. Our people deserve the very, very best, and we've got to keep making it better. I agree with you, although I'd like to also see, uh, you know, a theory or perhaps a principle of don't throw out the baby with the bathwater. There were some things that, uh, you know, I do miss that I think we could have still kept, although, you know, a lot of people weren't using the monorail. I really like the monorail, and I like how it gave us this futuristic feel. And also the uh, Sydney Entertainment Centre, which is now just a block of flats. If you want to go and see live music, and, and a lot of us have a relationship with the Entertainment Centre going back years, now if you want to go and see live music, you've got to go. I mean, there's the, you know, the Aware Theatre, but... You've got to go to Homebush. It's a shame that we don't have something like the entertainment, uh, you know, centre, which exists within the middle of the city for the big concerts. Yeah, well, we've got to do more, but we've set up the ICC. In fact, I was down at Tumbalong Park the other day for the Socceroos match, mm. um, and we had twenty-five thousand people there. They weren't, and the, the the park was full. But then uh, on the convention centre. Uh, people lined all the way up, and by the time uh, the game started, we had people on the roof. Um, so, you know, if you build it, um, they will come. But you've got to really break through the naysays to achieve it. I mean, I I, I came out with a idea to put um, a bar on top of the Mitchell Library and everyone said oh you can't do that and mm. now it's, a, it's one of the most beautiful bars in Sydney overlooking, overlooking the harbour. Uh, I, just got to, yeah, go on. I was going to say can I go to a question without notice and that's just that Marty's just rung through a moment ago from Liverpool and I'd like to put him on with you and, um, yeah. uh, and uh, hang on one sec because this technically means some, I have to do something which isn't all that easy in this day and age uh, but hopefully we've got Marty there. Marty are you on? Mate, I, I am indeed. Okay, now you've got uh, the Premier on the phone. What was your question? Well, Premier, we were just talking about Sydney institutions that have gone, the live music scene. Springfield was an absolute institution. Oh, Springfield's in, in the cross. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yes. Like the music scene, it's, it was an institution, and I can't emphasize that enough. It's mm -hmm. gone. Yeah. That's terrible. Well, 
Yeah, and, and the city's gone through a tough time during the pandemic. And I, I was previously the treasurer and worked very closely with live music to give them the financial support to get through. But it's been a very difficult time. But, mm. you know, we ca- we are not a suburban city. We're a global city and we've got to be a 24-hour city. And if and if we, if we cut back the red tape and regulations and allow our city to thrive, then live music will, con- will continue to prosper. Yeah. But if we don't do that, then people won't invest and they won't and they'll move away. Well, so. that's right. I think, uh, sorry to interrupt you there, Premier, but I think what Marty was saying is that there's, you know, a lot of, uh, you know, focus on other things other than the arts, and in particular live music in Sydney that really suffered yep. as a result of COVID, and a lot of them haven't been able to bounce back and would also no. like to see some funding and also some focus on, uh, you know, trying to get people back into live music and, uh, you know, maybe some kind of money for live music in Sydney. Well, and we, and we've, we put a, a fair bit of investment in that um, during the pandemic, and I work closely uh, with the Lord Mayor Clover Moore, particularly in fact we've been putting together an entire plan of events for summer to breathe life back into Sydney CBD Mm. and then have that momentum continue next year. We really want to make sure uh, it's a great summer. There's heaps of events for everybody to come to. We've Mm. got Christmas markets starting at the Botanical Gardens this Friday for the first time. Mm. The Sydney Festival is beginning. There's a whole lot of events over summer and hopefully that will give us the strength and the momentum for people to say, you know what? I want to come into the city, not just Monday to Friday, but mm. on the weekends as well. We shouldn't have a city where there's tumbleweed rolling down Mark No, I absolutely agree, Sunday. yeah, exactly. And even iconic venues like um, the uh, Frankie's Pizza as well. So I'll leave it there, but uh, if any of your story changes, I'm happy with your alibi so far <laughs> <laughs> with, your, with Specgate. However, we'll some, yeah, yeah, some people would have said, why hasn't he gone to Specsavers and bought one pair free? <laughs> so uh, if that story <laughs> changes, by all means, uh, get back to us. Terrific to talk to you. Have a great Christmas as well. Likewise. Thanks, Thanks. Thanks, Oakville. Bye.